0: Ladies and gentlemen, good morning, good morning. We hope you guys had a great weekend. Jacob, what's up, brother? Excited to have you, excited to have a new guest. You introduced me to Chris. I'm excited, just in our pre-show, getting ready for this. But how was your weekend, Jacob? How was it? How was it? How was it?
1: It was great, man. You know, we're down here in Dallas-Fort Worth getting prepared for a massive heat wave. Hopefully, it's not like the winter storm. Hopefully, things stay up and running and our politicians actually take a moment to care about us. But (laughs) hey, you never know. It's Texas. Anything can happen. I don't know. Maybe some of our senators
0: are heading north. you, you mm. never know. Never know, right? Yeah. And hey, and hey, you brought a friend with you this morning. You introduced me to Chris, and I'm really—I'll be honest—I am stoked to have somebody. You and I are pretty smart guys, but with, but most well, kind of, we'll, we'll, ish. But we have somebody way smarter than us this morning. that's going to be sharing some things. A lot of times, Jake, when we talk about secondary market market analysis, people's eyes just whoop, gloss over, yep. forget about it. But. I'm excited to kind of have you introduce chris Whalen to this
1: yep. this morning so that's it in the media industry you know you're doing something right when you're punching up if you're sitting there you know looking down on your competition and calling them names and all that you know you're not at the top of your game you're at the top of the game when you're fighting the good fight okay and when housing wire started off in the early days and i was brought on back in 09, 2010, right after we're coming out of the subprime crisis, Chris Whalen was already a regular columnist in the magazine and the stuff he wrote was always so analytical and above the brand in terms of the content he put out. And it was interesting because at the time, HousingWire's core audience was the mortgage servicing industry. Now it's grown into, uh, you know, HW Media and all that. And we've moved on with our Shred Media operation here, but Chris and I have remained in communication and he continues to connect the dots from origination to servicing all the way up to the secondary markets. Now, on Rise and Shred, we've been talking about the secondary markets quite a lot. We've been talking about shorting, Wall Street Bets, GameStop, You know, Wall Street Bets focusing on Rocket, focusing on United Wholesale, and also we talk about their disclosures and their S1s, their quarterly filing reports, and people criticize you all the time, Josh, saying, why are you talking about these things? So we finally brought an expert to explain why we discuss these things and why originators in the space should be following secondary market analysis. Yep. So with that said, let's talk about Chris and his latest note that he sent to us over the weekend that blew our minds away.
0: Let's do it. I'm going to bring it up here. And Chris, before we get into it, like for those who don't know, you were kind of telling me a little bit about yourself. For those who don't know Chris Whalen, maybe kind of give a little background on yourself because as you were sharing with me, I'm like, holy cow, like you have an incredibly impressive background in history. So for those who don't know, who is Chris Whalen?
2: Well, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm an investment banker. I am an author. I've written three books. Probably the most interesting one is called Ford Men in Mm -hmm. 2017. It reminds you why Henry Ford was successful, which is other people. Um, And I write a column uh, in the mortgage industry. I publish a blog called The Institutional Risk Analyst. And that note you're referring to is part of our premium offering where we look at banks, fintechs, and mortgage companies. As you pointed out, my friends on Reddit who used to be software geeks have become day traders and uh in fact a bunch of them earlier you know last year almost annihilated a couple of hedge funds on mm-hmm. uh, and also they were a big reason that rocket performed so amazingly over the last six months there were a yep. couple of spikes in that stock and these are mortgage companies i mean come on but in the whole environment where we're living right now the fed has basically shifted the risk curve a couple of clicks over so companies that used to trade at a discount or trading at a premium. And JP Morgan's two times book value, which is pretty fully valued. So the world is kind of uh, skewed, if you will, and the housing industry obviously is skewed if you have lived through the last 12 months. So it's uh, it's all good.
1: Yeah, so what, let, so, go so ahead, what, So Chris, why should originators care about these things because why should they care about you know wall street bets destroying hedge funds because they're shorting quicken or united wholesale stocks or all that you put out a note and the reason why i ask is you put out a note that's basically pitting quicken and united wholesale because they're both in the press talk about how they're winning brokers hearts and Mm -hmm. minds and whenever we mention one people say we're you know we're 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 partnering with them whenever we mention the other we they say we're partnering with them so we're, we're so what how can we look how can originators look at this analysis to determine where rocket stands in the market where united wholesale stands in the market what's their market share and what's truth versus propaganda
2: well the first thing you have to say is that most mortgage companies before you know 2020 were not public it was unusual for these companies to go to the public markets and raise money so you had penny mac you had a couple of others But by and large, these are private companies. The reason for this is that their results tend to be very correlated to interest rates and employment, and as a result, they can be very volatile. Now, in the secondary market, Jacob, what you're talking about is how a mortgage company profits on a loan when they sell it to somebody else. That's usually Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, or into the government market with Ginnie Mac. So that's very important because that's how they make money. know most mortgage firms when they close your your home loan are down cash in other words they've spent more money getting this loan done than they're going to get back immediately so they typically sell the note and if they can they'll retain the servicing because that cash flow they get every month can oftentimes be very significant so secondary market is important in terms of knowing what the spread is on loans when you sell them that's a basic benchmark for the industry And then the second thing is that the, uh, you know, the overall uh, uh, tenor of the market is now available to people in the industry. You can actually uh, look at the public disclosure from Rocket, uh, United Wholesale, Finance of America, Guild. And these are all very interesting, very different companies. They're all different. And it's important for people to pay attention to their earnings, and to the other information they provide because it gives you a little color on what's going on in an industry which really has been private and has not been uh, easily understood by people. You know, and and as a bank analyst, as an equity guy, what I would tell you is that mortgage companies are fixed income stories. They're not really stock stories in a traditional sense that you think about a bank or a commercial company. These are companies that live and die in the bond market, in the interest rate market. And that's why understanding what's going on, Jacob, in the secondary uh, market for loans and for servicing is so important.
1: And right here, you have a note talking about two of the biggest players in our space who often uh, run into conflict with each other. Um, What can looking at the analysis and you could see I'm, I'm assuming the blue line there is Rocket when it had its spike yeah. Um, and, you, you know, how do those two lines correlate and how do we interpret this versus, you know, Rocket and United Wholesale? And let's talk about how they're different in terms of their disclosures. Uh, can we really take a look? Are they are they telling us enough? Are they should they be telling us more? Should they be telling us less? What can we learn from analyzing Rocket and United Wholesale?
2: Well, the first thing you have to say when you're talking to people about public disclosure, is that it's an oil painting, it's not a photograph. You know, they're they're disclosing enough to be sufficient in terms of federal law and the regulations from the SEC, but they don't have to tell you everything. They have to provide information that is material to investors, and that Mm -hmm. measure is subjective. It's up to each issuer to decide, have we disclosed enough of the risks and the potential rewards? And the SEC will look at filings for sufficiency, but they won't make a judgment about whether or not you're telling enough. They leave that up to investors. What I can tell you about Rocket and and United Wholesale Mortgage is like the rest of the industry, they tell you some things, but not everything that the analyst wants to hear. For example, I want to know the breakdown of their different channels. I want to know how much is retail, how much is wholesale, how much is call center correspondent, whatever. So I always want more, and that's fine. I would tell you that United Wholesale of the two of them probably provides you with more information, but neither one of them is particularly ample. Uh, you know, you could get it on ten pa- pieces of paper, and if you if you look at the disclosure of Penny Mac, if you look at the disclosure of Mr. Cooper, I think it's more extensive. So mm-hmm. the management teams of these two recently private companies have tended to be somewhat parsimonious are parsimonious with their disclosure. They could give us more, in my opinion, and at least be close to their larger peers who've been public for a long time. You know, look at guilt. Guilt tells you a lot more than either one of these two. So it's really up to management at each one of these companies. How much do they want to reveal about their business to entice investors versus how much do they want to keep back to protect themselves from competition, right?
0: So, Chris, here's a question. Is it, I mean, you look at Gil and you look at a few of their competitors, like you mentioned, there are pros and cons, but being that both these companies did, you know, just go public this year, is sure. is it is there a pro or a con in one way or another to whether give more or give less right now?
2: Ultimately, it, it's a discussion between the issuer and their investors. This is one of the reasons that they have quarterly disclosure and many of them have conference calls. I will tell you, that I was a little bit shocked by United Wholesale and the degree to which they make very assertive, uh, positive statements about the future that you normally don't see the officers and directors of public companies making. If you compare Rocket uh, Companies, which is uh, the successor to Quicken in a sense as a public company and United Wholesale, you would have to say that Mr. Ashiba at United Wholesale has beaten the drum pretty hard. He kind of reminds me of Mike Nirenberg at New Residential, which is another player in this market. They are a REIT that buys mortgage servicing, buys loans. They have a lender now. They just bought Caliber. So very interesting story. But you know, let me give you an example that I think would resonate with your viewers, Josh. Caliber and Freedom, are the only two big firms that had a full offering in wholesale, retail, call center, correspondent, all all, all across the board. And they tend to be pretty stable as businesses. Sure. I I think Caliber did a great job. They just got taken out at a decent valuation in a very positive market environment. Of course, freedom's private. You know, I know Stan Middleman very well, very old fashioned approach to mortgage servicing loves the assets accumulates the assets. And he's now, you know, he, he passed uh, Wells Fargo last year as the largest government lender in the United States. Wow. So, you know, all of these businesses are different. And what I would say to you is that, you know, it's really up to the investors to discipline the issuer in terms of what they are told, because once they put information out there, one quarter, they tend to have to continue to provide that information to investors again it's a it's a judgment call by the investor. How much do I have to say to have sufficient disclosure?
1: and, and when you, you sit on the earnings calls with these CEOs and you you listen to them and in the last twelve months, at least to me um, and Chris, you may have your own take, I feel like the the general approach towards the investing community has changed. They sound the CEO sound salesier they yeah. sound like they, they're not they're not delivering data responses to the questions from analysts from Wells Fargo, analysts from, you know, you name it. Uh, and 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 I feel like the they're, they're, I don't know if they're not taking the questions as seriously. They don't think that these questions merit an accurate data response, or they simply don't have the information available to them. But I mm. seem to remember that these calls used to let the CFO talk a whole lot more and yeah. now the CEOs are seem to be entirely dominating this. Is this a trend? Am I crazy? Am I? What, what do you feel? And also, I had to look up parsimony. Okay, so <laughs> parsimony. No, no, no more big words. You're, you're throwing my game off here,
2: Chris. It's hard to say. Look, I, I got two examples. Look at J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, Marion. Okay, very carefully scripted. Very, very, very focused on the numbers. All of their answers come from a number somewhere. If they want to give you some subjective information, that's fine. But they know how to do that. Another great example is Aquin. You know, Glenn Messina, John Britty, the chief investment officer, very solid uh, background. All of their team used to be part of a bank holding company, remember? So they tend to have really good financial people at that firm, very careful on conference calls, extremely careful. So all I would say to you is I think some of the newcomers, have to learn what it means to be a public company. And I Mm. worry about this because I don't like seeing mortgage companies getting uh, attacked by trial lawyers, but that's what's gonna happen if they make statements today that turn out to be inaccurate tomorrow. Uh, Mm. I've done plaintiff work as a consultant for 30 years. I know how this stuff works. And all I would say to all of them with all due love and respect is be careful, take Mm. counsel, You might even want to consider taping your remarks beforehand and then doing the Q&A live because you got to control the disclosure. Otherwise, you're wide open to attack and your shareholders aren't going to benefit from that. They're going to pay. So, you know, it's a way of protecting your company and also protecting your shareholders when you're a little more careful in how you present your results, especially on a live call. It's one thing to put out a written statement, right? The lawyers are going to scrub that. But once yep. you're on a live call and you're answering questions from a largely retail audience, you're in in, in serious risk.
1: Well, you know, I think you uh, hit the nail on the head of the headline risk that these newcomers as you put it are facing because if you look at me and i don't know josh about your portfolio but my portfolio i'll go ahead and say it, it's non-existent i currently do not have any holdings in anything anywhere i'm completely totally 100 percent into my company and into my business relationships with my company i don't invest in rocket united wholesale all that and i no. i'll report on it but you're an investment banker chris you do you do have skin in this game i you're do too
0: I, I did with all of them. I, I have investment with. I am I am by no means, and I've mentioned this before. I am no means a smart investor, but I said, hey, I've been in this industry a long time. I have stock in every single one of the companies that have went public, and I've lost. I, I mean, I've, as Chris knows, they all went down. I've lost a lot of money with a lot of these companies. But it's interesting being on some of these calls, like you guys have said, listening to them. Jacob, you you mentioned something. That I have noticed for sure, these CEOs and these calls seem a lot more salesy. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not super familiar with them, so it has been interesting from an investor standpoint with a lot of these companies. Because yeah. I do believe in them. like, like Chris mentioned, some of these guys are friends. I've met them, so it's like, hey, you know what? Let's throw let's throw some money behind them Let's see what happens. And so far, I've lost. So we'll see the future of it. But.
1: Um, so, Josh, what is what is Chris' comments? As someone who does actually have investments in these stocks, as someone who is vested in his research, well,
2: no, that's not true, Jacob. But as a banker, I don't do that. The only. Well, what about
1: Josh? What is I'm asking Josh what he feels. Yeah. About and okay, yeah. thank you for that disclosure. See how careful Chris is. Well, no, I always
2: tell people you see, as a banker I can't make recommendations, but I can tell people what I own personally. Mm-hmm. I never make recommendations on stocks. If you see me on Bloomberg or CNBC, no, I can't do that because I'm a banker. Uh, the only mortgage-related stock I've got right now is Annaly, which I bought at half a book value last year when the world was ending. Uh, <laughs> and then I got bank preferreds. So I got out of all my commons. I had NRZ until about the end of 18, and then I bailed out. So I missed the upside here. But, mm-hmm. you know, I work with people in the industry, and I think it's better for me not to to in the stocks if they're going to call me one day and say, hey, Chris, you know, we need your help. It's just a mistake.
1: Well, Josh, you've been burned, like you said. Yeah. What what do how do Chris's comments resonate with you? You read his research piece, right? His premium service. Did you look at that and go like, hmm, this could be this could be worth subscribing to.
0: Oh, absolutely! When I read it, I was like, "Holy smokes!" Like some of the things that were released on this, that again, that we shared, I'm just like, "Whoa!" Like I wish I would have known a few of these things before I. (laughs) And like I said, I heavily invest in a few of these companies, and I'm like, "Wow, I wish, uh, yeah, I wish some of this would have been known before doing so." But uh, again, as I've always mentioned, and like Chris, I'm not. I don't. I don't ever advise on any type of investing. I share personally what I own. Um, but, and for me too, this isn't my, I love what you said, Jacob, this is not, I'm not trying to make mountains of money out of this. I invest here and there, very small amount, well, relatively small amounts, but it's it's more interesting to me, some of these things and way smarter people than, like Chris and myself. And I think a lot of people, even originators, I have been in plenty of forums and discussions about people who have invested in UWMC, who have invested in Rocket, who have invested in some of these things. And we're not investors. We're just, again, we're, we're trying just to to be part of the wave that's moving into it. And most of the people who have invested, again, have lost substantial. Look at, I mean, look at, you go back and look at this uh, this uh, chart that uh, Chris provided in here. And I could show you my portfolio. My portfolio on every single stock has gone down, like from when I originally purchased to where it's at now. So, I mean- well, what so is- The
2: Fed created an environment where early on investors were profiting enormously for no reason. And now- as the industry has peaked you know think about it the the secondary market spread that jacob was referring to before probably peaked in july last year and it was extraordinary you know rocket was over four points gain on sale at that point It was twice the industry average uh but now we're kind of reverting to the mean and spreads are going to be sub 50 basis points by june if they're not there now uh, and these companies are not gonna be profitable. It's hard to convey that kind of change to the folks on Reddit, who I love by the way, but mm-hmm. I call them the kiddies. And you know they're like, oh, we're going to the moon. That's about the depth of their analysis. You know, We're going to the moon. So in a complicated industry where much of what goes on is actually opaque and you almost have to know operators to talk to them and say, hey, what the hell is going on here? Um, <laughs> You know, I, I remember Aquin, when they were doing their transactions with NRZ, selling a lot of servicing. Yeah. I had just gotten done working at Kroll. I was an advisor to the company and the board, and I couldn't even figure out what was going on with the disclosure because <laughs> of the, the ins and the outs. You, you, you could sit with an accountant all afternoon, and they you still wouldn't get it. So, you know, it's a tough industry. Like I said, this is fixed income. This is not right. your normal stock investment. Right. Look,
1: let me ask you something. I know we're we're past time and all that, but we we keep, we keep you here all morning, and we know you, you got things to do, Chris. But
2: I have one final. Question the dog here. is calling at my door. He wants to get back in. <laughs> the
1: the this was we we've been covering this in the rise and shred the Fed. Is got this unusual behavior where some are saying let's taper, some are saying we, we we can't taper, and then you have some who are kind of in between, and so the 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 press on the on the on the subject shows no clear consensus on tapering. Uh, the Fed is going to begin tapering, from what we understand. What impact? What's for one? What signal does this send? down the yeah. line to to mortgage lenders in terms of interest rates uh, yeah. and you know what will be the actual impact and I know you had an op-ed on uh, how the Biden how Biden is going to destroy the mortgage mortgage servicing industry well, can we or
2: not hopefully so I mean
1: not. so you know you enter into politics I mean Chris Whalen is he gives zero F's Ladies and gentlemen, he jumps, he tests the depth of the river by jumping in with two feet, okay? The rest of us tap our toes, he just jumps in, and he'll tell you if he can sink or swim. It's amazing. Okay, that's a lot for you to unpack. Let's see what you could do for two or three minutes on that, Chris.
2: Well, look, the Fed has been trying to goose employment, and they use the Fed funds rate as their mechanism. Uh, Historically, housing was a huge part of this because... You conveyed low interest rates by getting everybody to refinance their mortgage. Fine. The trouble is, is that they now have included purchases of securities in the open market. They're not just changing the target rate for Fed funds. They're out buying treasury bonds, buying mortgage securities, and they are indifferent to losses. They are indifferent to prepayments. So the Fed could buy a Ginnie Mae security and see 40 percent of it prepay in six months and take a huge loss, but they don't care. So when the Fed pulls back from the market and we have only private investors, central banks, etc., who are sensitive to prepayments and don't like losing money, that's gonna be a different market. And I think you'll see rates back up significantly. Mm-hmm. I would like to see the Fed start to do this now and slowly adjust the market back to zero. And they obviously are gonna keep buying treasury bonds. But as volumes fall in the industry, they're going to have less paper to buy. You know, let's face it. We're going to be down half a trillion, maybe six, seven hundred billion dollars in production this year. We'll still do over three. It'll still be a great year, but spreads will be a quarter of what they were a year ago. So that means probably at least half to two thirds of the industry will not be profitable on their lending operations this year. That means if they have servicing, you're going to depend on that income. Ooh, and what about for I those who don't? 2018, guys. I, I say, what it. about the what about those who don't have the servicing? That's the problem. They're going to get bought, or they're going to shut the lights off. <laughs> you know, uh, servicing is the asset that ha- keeps you alive in times when lending is unprofitable, and it's only the old-fashioned guys, Jay Bray and Mister Cooper, Stan yeah. Middleman at Freedom, uh, the folks at Calvert, Sanjay Das. They understand this, and they've always been very conservative with leverage. And, and uh, because they know down the road, leverage will kill them. The servicing yeah. will keep them alive, but too much leverage kills them. So when you look at Rocket, very well-managed company, hyper-efficient, not too much leverage. But then you look at United Wholesale, and honestly, I think they've grown too fast. They, they kind of remind me of Countrywide uh, Revisited. Um, mm. I hope it doesn't end up that way. But remember, Countrywide was a wholesale player that got into everything, and then at one point was half of total originations in the mid 2000s uh it was extraordinary and then they one day shut off the lights and bank america bought them mm. that's it and then brian Moynihan, of course shut down their correspondent channel costing his shareholders tens of billions of dollars in in uh, foregone profits so it's a sad tale when you see mortgage companies rise and fall and i hope that this group is going to learn from that experience and and maybe trim their sales a little bit before they get into trouble.
0: So needless to say, Chris, the next, what, six, eight, 12 months are going to be very telltale of what's going to be really happening within our industry.
2: Expense management will come back to the fore.
0: Interesting, very interesting, and like Jacob said, we could talk about this all morning. There's you've you sparked so many things that I could go on. Like there's so many things that I want to keep asking you questions. I'm like, holy crap, well, Chris! Would, we, yeah, we I say we're gonna have to come back, ladies and gentlemen. You've just got a little bit of a taste of what again. We're just starting to tap into Chris's knowledge here and the things that he's sharing. So we might have to make this a regular occurrence to, to bring on someone. Like I said. Threat. There you go. See, he he's even getting into the shred with us, ladies and gentlemen. So, with that, we want a huge shout out to Chris Whalen for joining us, for sharing his expertise, and always joining us. The the wonderful, the talented, the blue shirt. People are loving the blue shirt this morning. I'm Jacob, oh.
2: Jacob's looking good. He's Life looking game good, looking man.
0: I say he's a. Whether heat wave or not, Texas uh, Texas is treating Jacob very, very well. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing your expertise, and thank you for all, all your knowledge. It is so great to have somebody on the show. Plus, people get bored of me and Jacob. They're like, come on, bring somebody. <laughs> we need somebody else. We need some fresh need some fresh meat. But, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, and appreciate all you shared this morning.
2: Thank you, guys. So we'll do it again.
0: Gonna do it again soon. Jacob, thank you so much. And to all of you guys who joined us this morning, I guarantee you got value. And if you did, make sure you comment hashtag shred. You were here with us. You got what you need. And if you join us on the replay, make, make sure you comment hashtag hustle. That means you're out there. You're hustling. You're getting it done. Then coming back right here to get what you need to be successful in your business. Make sure you join the one, the only, the daily diary of the mortgage industry by clicking the link below. Make sure you subscribe because that's how we help this channel grow. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you. We love you and we'll see you guys all soon. Have a great day.